to the Only in Fair Facts uh, podcast. Hi, Rob. Hi, how's it going, Shannon? It's been a while, and uh, we take a little bit of a hiatus, but you know, <laughs> we we've did. had some uh, fun in Indeed. between traveling. Yep. A little time off. A lot of work. Yeah, a lot of work. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it was a great uh, holidays and stuff, and yeah, so now we're back. Uh, have you been? Great. Yeah. And today we are here at the backyard farmer. Yes. With Jimmy, who is the owner. Jim Normandy, yes. Yes, and uh, we were happy to be here and want to talk a little bit about the cool shop you have here with a ton of really interesting things to do. Yeah. I mean, at every single corner, there's something mm-hmm. that is quite special and unique for someone that's looking for a specific interest. Yeah. Well, thanks, Rob. <laughs> You've come in as a customer a couple of times at shop, so I always recognize your face. Yes, absolutely. I'm very intrigued by your bee, live beehive here. So. Yeah, that's the sort of the star of the show here has been the live beehive. So we have a um, small hive that is actually present inside the building, and then it's accessed by a tube which goes out the window, and people are always fascinated... Uh, and it, it looks kind of like a TV screen in dimensions, and I've had people say, is that real? Is that a video? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, it's part of the experience here. Beekeeping is a portion of what we do at the Backyard Farmer, offering classes and supplies for it. So it's, it's a great in-store demo um, and experience, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, because, as you know, I probably I, I could go on, and I know very little about bees, and yet I could go on indefinitely <laughs> about what I do bees. know about bees. Yeah. So it's just... Uh, Part of the experience here. Do you have? A, are there a lot of beekeepers here in Fairfax? Yeah. So the um, the shop kind of, you know, the intention is to reach out to different communities and mm-hmm. to form communities of interest. Mm-hmm. And there's many people are cross interested in some of the categories we offer here, like bees and, and beer brewing and such. But as a core like group, beekeepers, it's surprising how many of them there are. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So in Marin, it's it's pretty vibrant beekeeping community. And like anything, like you get a new car and then you always see that car around. Once you're, <laughs> yeah. once you're into the bee world, um, you notice uh, hives, you know, bees are, are present either in a, uh, a, a maintained, you know, formal hive that a person has or in a natural feral mm-hmm. um, wild hive. There's bees everywhere. Yeah. And it's so, my neighbor, short answer is yeah, a lot of beekeepers. My neighbor across the street raises them and she has so many of like the, the, the wooden like boxes. sort of box boxes, hives, yeah. and it looks almost like like a bee city skyline. If you look, at, <laughs> if you look yeah. into her backyard, it's yeah. so cool. And I see her back there in her outfit. Like, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, you can't miss it. You know, you like a, like a, a spaceman or something with your protective gear. Yeah, and the boxes. Yeah, have have definitely a look to them. But uh, so, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to ask, like, so when you opened this shop, which, mm-hmm. first of all, how long have you been here? So, we actually opened doors for business uh, September of 2016, so wow. it'll be three years this fall. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what brought, sort of, what kind of brought you into this sort of combination of all types of hobbies? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really a craft, a hobby craft store for people who have very specific enthusiasts projects that they want to get involved in. Yeah, it's, um, it was an interesting evolution. I, I started taking classes in a lot of categories mm-hmm. for interest, and what prompted me really to do that, besides you know dissatisfaction with like the job I was in and such, mm-hmm. was there's a book written by Novella Carpenter. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's an author in East Bay, and she, had, she was like um, uh, Michael Pollan's like, assistant, you know, who's written mm-hmm. all very many best mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, she wrote her own book called um, Farm City, and it was of her experiences in Oakland where she took an abandoned lot near her apartment building and turned it into basically, you know, an urban farm where she had pigs, she had 
um, mm-hmm. chickens. Uh, she raised bees. Uh, she wow. was growing vegetables. And then she documented her journey because she just, um, you know, embarked on it without knowing what she was doing, sort of researching as she goes. And so she wrote this book, which was a bestseller. And um, right about, you know, I don't know, six months or a year before um, I went off into this direction, um, Marin County does a one book Marin program. Yes. And so that was her book. And as an adjunct to reading the book in, in, in book groups and such, they, they had classes. Mm-hmm. So all around Marin, you could go to um, a beekeeping class, a beer brewing class. Um, so like a lot of these topics, sure. you know, fermentation and farming, backyard farming were inherent in that program. So I, I started going, you know, to several of the classes and I, I just noticed it was very interesting. And I noticed every time I went, there's about 10 or 12 people in class. Wow. Okay. So I was yeah. thinking, and I love classes, I love learning stuff. <laughs> so I sort of took that as a, as a, maybe a little bit of a template. Well, it's kind of cool because there is no shop like this that I've been to in Marin. No. And it, it, I mean, you go up, like birds and honeybees and yeah. fermentation and jambuca. Um, beer brewing. Beer brewing. Right. Sprouts coffee, coffee yeah. which is one of my favorites. I bought an arrow press here Jeez. yesterday <laughs> and I had, my, I had my coffee from it this morning. It was very good. I'm like bouncing off the walls. <laughs> yeah. So the common yeah. thread uh-huh. of, of all of it really is... I call this shop the backyard farmer, and then that raises the question, well, what's a backyard and what is a farm? (laughs) Um, But there is a common thread to all these things. And up on the wall here in the shop, I had my daughter um, paint out the the etymology or the root of the word farm. And for me, that was sort of where I began, you know, to explore the depths of all these topics and this specific word. So there's Anglo-Saxon word, Albanian word, ancient word root of the word farm really means body, life, breath, spirit. The word farm really means just a living system and to live. To live, okay. Yeah. It's beautiful. And so when you're farm or you're farming, you know, you're living, but it implies more than just a solitary life. Um, it, it really um, calls to the interconnection. So a farmer, you know, like you say, you farm cows or you farm bees, um, that it's not a productive mechanistic process, but it, it, it's an integration. It's like a symbiotic relationship, I think, is the best way to break mm-hmm. it down. So all these categories of, of, of interest in the room share that, and then they interplay with one another. So, you know, you can get too philosophical maybe on it, but I, I really yeah. enjoy going deep on it. But it, it's all about, you know, us um, with other organisms, you know, an evolution of life on the planet. And I think it appeals to people because you're um, – our, our modern, very organized and very productive, you know, modern society has pigeonholed us into little cogs in a machine, in sure. sort of machine yeah. fashion. So even the simple thing of making butter um, or making yogurt, you know, we don't get to experience because, you know, we do whatever our job is and we go to the store and buy the butter and the yogurt that's already been made. Um, it's convenient. I think it's efficient and it kind of, it, it makes sense on one level, but it deprives us of our connection with the rest of the world. You know, and food is like the, the primary yeah. connection. So I think that um, exposure to some of that it's just fun and it's it's like an aha experience um, and it's um, fulfilling you know on a level so I think so I like people you know get excited a lot of people you know really like the shop when they come in and what they're more expressing I think is that they see that connection for themselves with something that's satisfying and then they project it onto the shop sure one thing I've noticed the times that I've come in is yeah it's not just somebody comes in and they 
you know, pick something off the shelf and buy it and it's a transaction, but that there are these, you know, conversations that happen and, yeah. um, and, and learning. you're telling them about the bees or, you know, just... And me listening to them because yeah. like I'm, if I'm anything, I'm probably just a chronic student, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was never grade-wise a grade student, but I was always interested. And one of my greatest pleasures was sitting listening to like a professor, someone who knows a topic and just being taken away on a journey as they, you know, yeah. tell you all the levels of it. So when customers come in and they're into something, I like to hear what it's about because I'm learning from them. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert on any of this stuff. I sit in on, I, I seek out, you know, expert or, you know, proficient people in, in these categories to teach the classes and offer mm-hmm. the class and sit in on them. And how often do you teach, do you teach classes? Are there is there a schedule of classes? There's a yeah. schedule on our website. <laughs> um, I try to be organized with it. Sometimes I get lost on it. But I, I, my goal is to have every Saturday, Sunday, and one day in the week, Wednesday class. And it doesn't always happen. But we have a pretty steady... Uh, and we've, we've had some um, return instructors, and some instructors are so great, you get the students coming back for the same class because they just want more. Yeah. <laughs> more information. Huh? Yeah, because you can go deep on any of these. And that's sort of, I'll stop rambling a second. Oh, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> that's why we have you here. <laughs> so, so that's kind of the philosophy is um, to, to introduce and expose, you know, what I would call the farm arts, sort of the lost arts of the art parents mm-hmm. and grandparents generation on the wall behind my counter I have a picture of my great-grandfather oh, wow. um, Ruggiero Traversi who was an immigrant from Switzerland the, the Italian part of Switzerland um, and he came over because um, they were starving over there that year it's about a hundred years ago and um, was a dairy farmer here in Petaluma here so the first thing I say is every family has a farmer a traditional farmer in it somewhere if you go back far enough you'll find him and so I like to underline that as you know we all have a connection with this idea of farm or farmer mm-hmm. um, and then what I was going to say is about the classes. I want to um, reestablish that connection, but not make people feel like you have to be the expert. You have to, you have to move out of your apartment onto five acres of land. <laughs> you don't have to do all those things to reconnect. That you mm-hmm. can do it on a small level on your kitchen counter, maybe. And I like the classes to introduce to bring an introductory level mm-hmm. to any of these categories, whether it's beekeeping or cheese making or beer brewing. So it's accessible and it's hands-on and experiential and not threatening. And if you go deep into it, like like many people do that's great but I didn't want to put people off like that you have to um, spend much time and money and energy to just venture into any of these yeah. so you can, it's pretty simple you can I try to mm-hmm. try to start with the simple but it's all deep like you can go in any one of these sure. and you can go to the meaning of life you know if you pursue that mm-hmm. category far enough and that's what's cool like the beer guy and the cheese lady you know <laughs> and the bee people they do I mean if you just yeah. listen to them they've taken their connection for that category and they've gone you know as far as you can go and they built a complete craft out of it that's so deep and yeah, art enriching. and science uh-huh. yeah so you can you know make beer maybe not great beer and then if you get into the art of it you spend your mm-hmm. whole life trying to make you know the best beer the best beer yeah. <laughs> or just appreciate it you or know? appreciate the beer that you yeah because a lot of people take mm-hmm. the bee classes who never will keep bees but they just appreciate mm-hmm. bees through the knowledge and to me that's valid that you're you're connected with bees whether you actually have honeybees in your backyard or you just have your awareness and your knowledge has been increased so that you're kind of participating in in the beehive and and uh yeah and my neighbor gave me honey for christmas this year and it was especially when i got sick over the winter it was so nice to have it to put in my tea and And it was coming from your neighbor's yard. Right. So, so that's an as local as you can get. As yeah. As can. My sister uh, yeah. mails, she has uh, beehives in Hawaii. Oh, wow. She lives mm. in Hawaii and she sends me honey. So it's, it's really, cool. really quite special. Yeah. yeah. Beekeeping and stuff. What is your favorite? When you look at all the different types of crafts here, is there one outside of the beekeeping that you think is really, really special and that you find really interesting or is it? 
Yeah, for me, it's the it's the underlying the undertow of the connection of all of them. So I think what's mm. most interesting to me actually is the people who participate in them. Mm, okay. Right. Right. So like the beekeepers, I always say that you know the only thing more interesting than bees is the people who keep. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, for me, it's it's that that connecting point between all of them. So I don't have one, but you know I've got more and less experience in different categories. Mm-hmm. But lately, I've been having a lot of fun. Uh, so I have a nice uh, a rotating compost bin. It's out in front of the store. Yeah, I saw that. And one of my fun, you know, my favorite things to do is see how hot it is because the microbes are in there decomposing. I have my little thermometer. So, you know, when I come in, it's kind of my little farm here. You know, when I come Uh in, I check the bees. Are they still there? Because they're not always there. I've lost Mm -hmm. hive here before. You know, the bees still there. How are they looking? I check the compost. It's still hot. And I've got a worm bin. I like to look to see the worms. I feed them the compost from my house. So, you know, it's a joy to... um, to come to work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually a coffee aficionado, and I I have one of the oh the roasters, the roasters, and oh. and I roast coffee probably every other week. That is so great. A couple great. of pounds of coffee. Yeah. Do you have cl- classes like that here too? We do. We have a local Renaissance man who I've got to line up again for some classes. He's into coffee, many things, but he professionally roasts. He professionally roasts. Yeah. Lo- uh, here locally or just yeah locally. Okay. Yeah, Valerian Harala. He, he okay. Uh, yeah, he lives just down the road from here, and and so that's that's a great connection point because. Every or mo- many people have coffee every morning, mm-hmm. but if you just have the coffee and you, you know, don't have the added uh, value of, of the relationship, like so you're roasting your beans, so you're you're part of the process of your coffee cup. Most people just put out their cup and they fill it. That's right. So, so yeah. I, I would say you're farming the coffee. If you go back to my original kind of um, definition, if you're sort of part of the coffee system, then you're a you're as much a valid of a farmer in that system as the people on the ground. Yeah. Harvesting it. Yep, and I'll even take one step further. My, I have a family history over 125 oh. years that my, my family grew is growing is still growing coffee in Colombia and El Salvador. Oh, okay. So. Maybe we talked about this. Before I think we shop. did. Yeah. So that's really cool. That's yeah. Really so you cool. have coffee. Where did it come from? Where is it indigenous to? Where is it now? And and where the genetics come from of the of the plant? Right. And it, then the integration with you and your family. So yeah. So, so any, there is a there is a very strong deep underlying sort of a connective tissue for me and, and my relationship with coffee. And you know, if you believe it or not, I think you know our genetics do many things. I think they carry a memory of you know our family's history of things. So I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a chord. Maybe it's a song that's being sung in your. In, my, it, in your soul that uh, you're yeah. sort of picking up again. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so that, that's what's cool. I mean, that's so great. this is fun. See, so one so, topic, so you come in to talk about coffee, and I get to listen to your story, and it kind of blows me away because it's, it's, it could be very deep. Oh, I've got a very rich story I could tell. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe as, a, as, a, as a guest uh, speaker, I can come in here when, when uh, Valerian yeah, yeah, yeah. comes in, and I can talk a little bit about co- coffee history cool. and coffee culture. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, because yeah. everybody's got, mm-hmm. you know, in this culture, yeah, even though... Well, I had some, co- some coffee plants growing out in the back, and Valerian's got some grow. But you you can grow coffee as like a house plant because it's a uh, really yeah. I had no it's idea. a tropical plant to get so it to, you need to a lot fruit. Of sun. No, yeah, no, no. There's a sh- so coffee. That's yeah. that's sort of the mystery around coffee is that coffee is actually um, shade grown. And oh, you get okay. The, and you get and you get the best coffee when it's it's um, grown in, on on a mountainside. So could I grow it elevation. in my yard? My yard is but very could, hilly and it's completely shaded. You probably need a little bit of sun. I, I'd have to take a look at the soil okay. conditions, but you could probably, I, I would say that you would, could probably grow a plant yeah. or two there. You could grow it as a container. I had it in okay. here uh, as a house plant. I you just, can have it indoors. A yeah. lot of people have it indoors. I, it's just you're not going to get a harvest for even the probably a cup right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
but to have, you know, just have the plant. There's a yesterday I had a guy come in who's going to do chocolate class on us, and he's he's a, a, a true chocolate maker. He he explained oh, me the difference, wow. and he, the guy went on for an hour and a half. The difference between chocolatier and chocolate maker, and and the sacred plant of the cocoa, cocoa within you know where it's indigenous to, and it's just fascinating, you know. Take one of the he called them like the power plants. Right? You take one of these central plants to any kind of culture, and uh, the relations like the Native Americans to the buffalo kind of thing. Yeah, there of is there is you know a cohesive kind of yeah. uh, interaction between the plant and the culture. It's a spiritual interaction. It, really it is. is, and if you not mm-hmm. to ramble, but I, as I like to, if you um, you know read some of Michael Pollan's, I forget his um, book on plants. Anyway, he he called into question whether humans are cultivating and um, uh, selecting um, varieties of plants for human purposes or turning the tables whether the plant has actually selected people to to propagate it and Hmm. the the plant has been successful because they've been able to trick the uh, the people into growing it and keeping it alive and planting in agriculture you know what i mean it's like survival of the fittest but for on both ways yeah and so if you take a really enlightened sort of ecological viewpoint that is in fact what happens you know when you have a living system it's not a um um, you know monarchy Mm -hmm. but it's rather you know like a democracy or it's it's a um, it's a community event sure i mean that makes sense so you got plants and people are interacting now who is really in control that we think it's people because we are people, but sure. perhaps not so. Well, think about it. The origin of coffee is really Ethiopia. And in Ethiopia, the yeah. coffee mm. plant is not a coffee plant, but it's a giant coffee tree. Yeah. And they're wow. huge. And so that's where it started. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's still there. It's still there. And the genetics there, I'm told, are like totally variable. I mean, yep. it's, wild. it's, it's, it's still wild. Coffee is still wild, and they're, they're still pulling out stuff from the gene pool exactly it's not like it's been domesticated to the point of its natural origins gone that's our our clock it, it <laughs> tweets on the hour <laughs> i was like wait do you have five birds how did i never notice that before um so what classes are uh, coming up this summer good question um i looked to my list and they keep changing so beekeeping is somewhat winding down because it mm-hmm. is now may and the bee season um is upon us um We've got beer brewing coming, okay. fermentation, uh, vegetable fermentation, sauerkraut. Um, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, that's been a very popular class. And it, so it's not just like how to make sauerkraut, Oh, that's what, although that's what it is, and you go home with, and sauerkraut, you know, surprisingly again, simple and yet very complex, but you go home with some sauerkraut that you will have started, I should say, you know, cabbage that is going to ferment into sauerkraut. Mm. <clears throat> but the teacher, she's really great. This is one of the teachers people come back for a lot. She speaks to the whole... Um, physical benefit of fermented foods mm-hmm. and then the the all the microbes that live in your stomach not being dissimilar to the microbes that that make the sauerkraut for you and then the integration of the microbes in your stomach and your your body with your health um so it's it's fascinating again that um you know microbial life existed on earth prior to you know the more advanced you know primates and things mm-hmm. that we are and uh, it, we were built on them. And yep. so it's not like a coincidence <laughs> that stuff just happens to live in our gut. Yeah. It's like we are here at the pleasure of the microbes from whom we evolved. Anyway, see, I go too deep on stuff. But, well, no, but it's true. <laughs> I mean, it's, fantastic. It's, what, it's like you have such a deep relationship with food that some foods really work well with your system and some foods don't. Yeah. And there's a reason why, because mm-hmm. of, of generations of, of family that have eaten and consumed that kind of food is, is genetically bound to you. Oh, yeah. It's, and so... You it's, know, you, so it's, it's, it's crazy. It really, really, really is crazy. So you carry in your gut 
an ecosystem mm-hmm. of microbes, mm-hmm. but they're not just like random and they're not they're not specified. They are um, unique to your genetic line. So they okay. find that if if we took the took the microbes, we got the DNA, and we, we analyzed what species are living in your gut and your gut or my gut, um, they'd be different and they'd be relative to both where you're living now, but also your parents, your mother, when you're born, you pass on, mm-hmm. you collect the microbes from, from your mother. Exactly. Um, so it's it's specific to genetic lines, but it's also you know specific to uh, it evolves when you're living. Right. So I mean, anyway, it's yeah. complicated. So so here we go. Here's another big thing that is always in my head that I you know I would yeah. scare the hell out of customers if I went on like this every time they walk in. They would never want to come in. But living systems is kind of what this is about. Mm-hmm. And um, to qualify again, complex living systems is kind of what all these things are about. Mm-hmm. And complex means, as it implies, you know. It's multi-level and it's um, many, many, um, many variables occurring simultaneously, and so all of that is present in all these things. Or it can just be a bird feeder, and it can just be the joy you get watching the bird feed. Or yeah. it can just be. There's some beautiful birdhouses in here. Yeah, there's some. I get really, some cool and, artists and, um, around the country and around. Yeah, where do, where do you feeders. get your bird? Are these are these custom handmade bird? I'm always seeking out. I've had. I've got uh, a couple that. Um, that is a, that one that looks like a little open crash kind of thing is, uh-huh. is for um, um, uh, Jim's mind begins to fail. Uh, Robin uh, for uh, Robins and it's okay. a it's a shell. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who just makes them out of the back of his vehicle. He just came up to the door said, "Do you want to buy some?" And then I've got some I chase all the way to the southwest United States. Some of these these fancier ones here. Um, Oregon makes some of the, the hanging pagoda bird feeders. Nice. Yeah, so I'm always trying to find something that's interesting, hopefully saleable. Um, and, and somewhat unique, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying not to carry everything that the local hardware yeah. store carries. I like the, um, the wasp traps yeah. <laughs> because, you know, we have some on our deck and they're the ones you get at the hardware store, yeah, yeah. you know, they're kind of ugly and that was the idea, yeah. the, it's the, it's the sort of the glass, glass, oh, yeah, glass yeah, yeah. bottle yep. and you put the bait in there and when possible, yeah. I try to get away from plastic because plastic oh, is yeah. everywhere and we've got plastic stuff, but we it's always nice to have everywhere. the non-plastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, any other classes coming up? Yeah, I was just thinking as I look at so natural dyes is it was a new one. Yes, I was looking at that. Which online. was really fun. <laughs> yeah. So our teacher um, uh, collects, you know, plants and it's natural plant dyes that you can play, that you can dye onto cloth and she talks about the whole process of oh, foraging, wow. harvesting, creating and setting them. So it's an old, you know, that's originally mm-hmm. the way things were done. Yeah. But if that's another way to sort of integrate your clothing or, you know, yeah. Some of your, I mean, she made napkins for the class and such. Um, yeah, I mean, you also, in addition to the equipment, um, there's also, you know, cute earrings and like yeah, home, home yeah. decor. Yeah, we try to carry the theme so we have hummingbird yeah. earrings. And, and do, when you take a class, you actually do some of the work yourself and then that's take it with the, you? Yeah, that's the, the ideal. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just more lectures, and I try to make that clear. Uh-huh. But the ideal is it's an introduction into a topic, and then it's a hands on activity to participate, and then it's a go home with something. So it's sort of hand-holding. So if you're interested, you know, in, in exploring one of these topics that you've, you've had a little bit of an experience with it already, and it, it's not something that has to remain uh, untouched yeah. as far as hands-on. So that's the ideal. It isn't, mm-hmm. isn't always that way. And some of it is really just a, um, a, an appreciation. It's just a, an adopting a, a new viewpoint. Like one of my favorites um, category that I haven't yet got a class on, but I just it just – it made me smile every time I think of it. Is uh, it's cloud appreciation? <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. So just the appreciation of clouds. 
And right. it's a, there's a cloud appreciation society, believe it or not, in England. I believe wow. it. I believe it. And the, 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 the guy who started it, he came through Marin about a year ago, and I wasn't able to attend his lecture, but I listened to a lot of his interviews and stuff. So this is just acknowledging clouds, and like you might be bird watching, but just raising your eyes up. And, you know, he again went on so many reasons why that's good for you, and, and it's important. For one, it acknowledges, you know, the Earth as a living system, because the clouds are representative of, of, that's right. of the living system of Earth. Plus, it, it's, it's really egalitarian that everybody can look up and see the clouds. It's like the one, you know, no matter how tall or short or how rich <laughs> or poor you are, um, we can all look at the clouds, you know. Yeah. And, and then just the unplugging from <laughs> the screen of, yes. your, of your computer or your phone, <laughs> um, you know, he cited some neurological studies. And it's just good for you. You know, because cloud um, viewing is, you know, sort of analogous with like wasting time. You're just looking at the clouds. Sure. But it is really, it's it's good for your creative process. It's a meditation kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, would I, say, I, would even, I wonder if there's even like a stargazing society. Oh, I'm that, sure there is. Yeah. Very similar to the... Yeah. And you can take, <laughs> you can look and think scientifically about it. And they classify these clouds. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and he's got I a phone app, which is great. But, you know, the classification school, is just yeah. a human category. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, that you, that you put to them. But then clouds, again, going back to complex systems, clouds are almost the definition of a complex system. Sure. You know, and here's the thing I love. Every cloud, even though it could be a type of cloud, is unique. There'll never be another cloud with the same exact form, and there never has been one previous to that. Oh. You know, so that's, like you know, snowflakes. another feature yeah. of complex systems. And that's true of people. So that's why I like taking, you know, a topic like that, extrapolate. Like you and I, we're, we're combinations of the genetics of our ancestors, but never been one just like us. That's right. Yep. Never one to follow, just like us. So that that's inherent in the shop here too. All these, you know, and we can continue to evolve and change that yeah. with our, you know, subsequent generations of, you know, ahead yeah. of us. So and then the experience there, the uh, discovery that your genetics is changed actually by your experience. There's things called epigenetics. Right? Anyway, what you see and hear and do actually can affect the genes that are present within you. That's right. So, Interesting. So yeah. So this is where you know maybe going too deep. What I love to do is get a teacher who appreciates the depth of the category and who will bring a simple class, hands on, but then they'll sprinkle it with some of this magic stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of what that's gets really you going. Cool. So someday we'll have cloud appreciation class. I just haven't I found right. the expert yet. <laughs> is it hard? I guess, it, is it hard to find experts in categories or is it just... Sometimes they walk through the door, like you, you know, you're offering to, to share some of your coffee stuff. So, sure. so a lot of times they walk through the door and sometimes right when I'm looking for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's happened a couple of times. You put like, it out there in the world and it comes to you. Yeah. They're just like attached. Um, and then sometimes, you know, I'll seek out a research and, and, you know, send emails and make phone calls. Sometimes I get totally ignored. Sometimes people say, I'd love to do that. So the Marin, you know, Fairfax, like Marin say, generally, and just the Bay Area, there's just a ton of people who are like really knowledgeable, really interesting, really cool. And really yeah. sort of dialed into the, some of this, some of yeah. this craft. Yeah. What made you choose like Fairfax as the place to open So the, the previous business, which I was in, um, hard to believe, for 20 years. So I, my background was in horticulture and just going to college kind of chronically. And I, I ran <laughs> landscape business for about 10 or 15 years and did okay. manage greenhouses and did, you know, work for... Um, big estate gardens and stuff but anyway went to work then for my family business totally unrelated and the recession and other factors contracted that family business mm -hmm. to where we used to have a, a big space in San Rafael then a smaller space in West Marin and then by the time the recession had almost done us in we needed to lower our rent a lot so I rented this this building and then the business dissolved while I was still under lease yeah, in this I remember, building. Yeah, I remember there was, a, there was a business here, but I couldn't really tell what it was. Everybody thought we did drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
it was so. uh, yeah, it was treasure hunting. So, which is an interesting yeah. topic. Not after my heart completely, but my father's a treasure hunter. But we sold equipment for metal detecting. Oh, cool! Yeah, <laughs> and so we served a, a really niche community. Did yeah. you ever ever do treasure hunting yourself? Oh yeah, you know, did it to learn about it. Yeah, uh-huh. people would go looking for um, lost jewelry at the beach. Um, but they'd go out in the wild places looking for gold, natural gold nuggets. Mm. Um, one thing my dad did, he, I guess he stopped now, he hopes to go back, um, but go to England, um, get permission. They work with archaeologists archaeologists in England, hand in mm-hmm. hand, and they go to old agricultural fields where they've been growing crops for, you know, four or five hundred years, mm-hmm. and they keep turning the crops. So you, you search there, and you find stuff that goes all the way back to the Bronze Age, all, wow. the, way, all the way up through, you know, the Middle Ages. <clears throat> and so I went over there, and we got to find Roman coins. They're just very common. People don't even care about don't them. Don't even care. But they're like wow. thousand-year-old coins, you know. It's like so. That's really interesting. Yes. So that's why we're in this building. So plus, you know, it it is kind of a Fairfax fit, but it was sort Definitely. of accidental, you know. So you stumbled on this whole, whole idea, kind of accidental, or kind of yeah. It, it's definitely like, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. Just why don't I try so... this? Yeah, it feels like everything sort of came together perfectly. Like you. I'm totally had enjoying these interests, it. and you were already had this space in a town that lots was of other receptive. people shared them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I think that that is definitely true. Yeah, things were path was laid out a little bit. So what you're do, working really hard to try to try to make it survive, and we're doing pretty good. We're growing yeah. a little bit each That's year. Great. What's the most popular subject that people come in for? Is yeah, it the bees? going or? back to the beginning, well, I think there's more beekeepers um, mm-hmm. than others. Yeah, um, beer started off strong. It's it's waned a little bit. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of guys who like to brew their own beer. Yeah, often. yeah, and I've, I've got to sure find where I fit in that. Yeah. yeah, and do you have a lot of the supplies here? Can you just come? I in do. And, and I, if you get started on a on a particular subject and or hobby, you can come in and just get all the all the things. I try to have what's needed. It's a small, modest section for, uh-huh. for the brewing, um, but I you know try to meet people's mm-hmm. needs. So we do have we do have a lot of what people need. And, and, uh, but we're not entirely like we're not entirely just birds. There's a bird shop in Nevada that's all birds. We're not just beer. There's a shop in Nevada that's all beer. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Um, but we have hopefully have a little bit to interest you, keep you going. And yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, there's a lot of things <laughs> that, 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 that I don't sell anymore that nobody bought, and then there's things that people keep asking for that I realize I need to get. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah. Um, I just want to say you're at. Uh, this is. Uh, Fairfax Backyard Farmer. We're at 135 Bellinas Road, and uh, the website where you can find all the classes and everything is at fairfaxbackyardfarmer.com. Um, Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. It's been fun. It's been fun. All right. (laughs) Let's take a quick break. interview thanks again to Jim Normandy for, yes, uh, for letting us come to his shop and that was great chat. I mean this the shop if you live in Fairfax or you want to come visit Fairfax and you have interests in a variety of different yeah just topics. come check it out it's just a beautiful space and just has some really interesting things and you can learn a lot and he's got That's... great classes you can check them out online as well yeah um, so Rob Yes, uh, <laughs> Tell me something uh, cool that you've done in Fairfax this week. Well, actually, yesterday I went to the potting shed. I'm actually oh, a good planner, and uh, getting ready for Mother's Day, I went in and bought some oh. gifts there. If you've ever been, been to Fairfax and gone into the potting shed, uh-huh. please check it out. They've got really unique and interesting gifts, mm-hmm. and I would suggest uh, if you're looking for something for your mom, that's a good 
good shop to stop by and check out. That's a great place, yeah. Uh, for me, I um, so I have a tattoo on my arm that I've had, uh, oh gosh, 10, 15 years, and it was starting to look a little shabby. faded and shabby, <laughs> so I went over to The Forge over on Sir Francis Drake, uh, and Adam, the proprietor, he redid my tattoo for me. And it, Fantastic. And it, it looks, looks brand new and absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And, yeah. And it's just, it's a great shop. It's, you know, it's just cool and it's clean and the guys there are really nice. And if you are in the market for a tattoo or you need some old artwork touched up, I totally recommend that you uh, go check that it out. That was painful, but I'm sure it was well worth it. On, on the arm, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. I have one on my back that needs to also be redone and I am uh, I'm being a bit of a chicken about that. <laughs> that was my first tattoo, and I fainted within, like, the first five minutes, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully that'll work out. <laughs> uh, and uh, thanks for joining us uh, for this episode. We are going to be aiming, I know we took a long break, we're going to be aiming to get out, like, one episode per month. We think that's pretty realistic with our other responsibilities, so if you have ideas uh, about cool people to interview or interesting topics in town, um, you can email us at fairfaxpod at gmail.com. Or contact us through our Facebook page, which is also Fairfax Pod. Uh, I want to thank uh, Barry Mullis, who did our theme music. Uh, he's from The Shots String Band, and you can find out more about their upcoming shows and music at theshotsmusic.com. And our artwork is by Holly Pearson, a local artist, and you can find her at hollypearson.com. Um, talk to you next time, Fairfax. All right, that's a wrap. All thank right, you. bye.